Uh, you played golf the weekend, did you? I did. There has been a magnificent return to form. Come on. It was a mixed Texas scramble. I do like a Texas scramble anyway, so can you two guys, you two can girls. Can you return to form in a mixed Texas scramble? Well, you can, yeah, because you can hit some good shots. You can hide, yeah, you can hide, right. And, and I hit many good shots, which was good. I've How been, does a mixed Texas scramble work for, with tees and all the rest of it? Uh, well, we've got a winter-rated course, so it's, it's a fair bit shorter anyway, actually. Um, so a lot of them were exactly the same, um, which causes some debate. Um, in itself, but that's for another podcast. Um, Sorry, you've got a winter-rated course, which, but, but you, the people in the group still played off different tees. Yeah, so we have yellows and reds still, so they're winter-rated off yellow and reds. Does that make sense? No. Think of red, think of yellow on a normal course. Yeah. We've got a winter course that is separately rated for um, yellow and red. So like you've got men's winter and women's winter. Yeah. So, so in this competition, the women played off the women's winter, and yeah, the men played off the, men. the men's winter. Yeah, right. And we finished second with a Texas scramble score of fifty-three to par seventy. So, right. And what was the um, uh, the discourse? Sorry, that some of the women women's winter tees were behind the men's winter tees. No, a lot of them were the same. Right. Um, a lot of them were the same. I hadn't really noticed it before, but maybe sort of eight or nine of them. Uh, that is not an exact count if any if anyone from York Golf Club is listening to this. So, um, but it was good. It was really good. I I've struggled all year. I haven't hit many good shots, and I was firing some darts, which was lovely. Hit three or four irons to three or four feet for birdies. But what was were, good. were there any uh, sort of stipulations like you had to take a certain amount of drives? Or yeah, whatever? three drives each. So it was a kind of. I mean, to be honest, it's a weak Texas scramble that. You know, I mean, it's three drives each is a bit easy. Is it? Uh, yeah, I've played I've played Texas Scramble versions with four drives each. Try that one. That gets that gets fraught towards the end. You have to have it, so don't you? So you and you, I don't want to offend you, but driving's not the strongest part of your game. It is not the strongest part of my game. Although I was the longest driver in my group by some fifty yards. Right. So how many <laughs> of your drives did you actually take? Uh, six. Five, six. Right. That's pretty impressive. It was all right. I played okay. I mean, honestly, there was, I was genuine. I walked off and I thought, I actually want to play golf again. You're tracking above the mean. Oh. What are you gaming at the moment in the big stick? Uh, I have got a Cobra Rad Speed. Ah, oh, you're a long-term Cobra advocate. I do like a Cobra driver. Um, other drivers are available. I'm a particular fan, if anyone wants to give me one, of the Titleist range as well. I play it. Everything else in my bag is tightless. Would you prefer to Free is your favourite brand? Free is anyone's favourite brand, isn't it? Who wants to pay £500 for a driver? Right, and you had, um, you had 53 net. 17 under, yeah. Right, so how many shots were you getting? 13. So you shot four under gross. Yeah, and we would have, we bogeyed the last, unfortunately, which was a bit of a pain. Off what handicaps? Uh, I was off 12. So many shots, Tom. So many shots. I was off eight last year, I'm now off 12. Uh, and the two ladies were off, I think, 12 and 14. And our fourth person, he was off 22. Right. It's a really good spread, actually. Like Almost like a perfect Texas scramble. And you do like 10% of the highest and then et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But, I mean, it could only have been better if we'd had like a low handicapper in there as well. Oh. Although you, we just lost. And you won? 
We didn't, we finished second. Oh. We would have won had we not bogeyed the last. Okay. But given that I've done nothing all year, I picked up my prize with some pride. And uh, is that um, is that the way that Strengths will tend to do it? They would have like a sort of slightly different format from normal in the winter? Yeah, well, this, so this was a volunteers event. Um, so this was for everyone who... Well, competitions normally gives, compulsory. Gives their time. So, that, so this was this was a special event for people who've done stuff for the club over the last twelve months. But the um, sorry, so it's a humble brag. What have you done for the club over the last twelve months, Steve? As you well know, because we talk about it every week, I'm a qualified referee. And you refereed some stuff at the club. Yeah, I did the thirty-six hole scratch right. in May, and I did the club championship. Is that not a bit like being a sort of policeman in your own house kind of thing? Possibly, but um, because I because I'm not good enough. I mean, I wasn't good enough to play in the club championship anyway. It's a bit. I think it's all right, isn't it? I think if I'd been good enough to play in it, it might have been a bit odd. But yeah, um, but do people not see you coming? Then like sort of put their magic pencils away and stuff. Like, were there any rules controversies in the scratch? No, no, um, and there wasn't really anything. And there, there was an interesting incident in the club championship, but it wasn't. It wasn't an odd one. It wasn't like a. It wasn't. Controversial one. Go on. It was um, there's, so there's a hole. I th- it was the twelfth, I think, and a player had hit really wide right, and there was a lot of. Um, it was obviously the area where he'd hit it was well off the beaten path, and it was where um, the greenkeepers placed all the old hollow cars and stuff like that from the green, um, and various other bits of rough that they collected. Basically, a big compost area, and um, player had hit their ball and just right in it, basically unplayable. Um, what he was asking me, which was fair enough, was whether that stuff was piled for removal. Because if it was piled for removal, you could have had free relief. So we're going to do a rules quiz later on, aren't we? We are. You, um, you were so inspired by our rules podcast last week, you asked to be set about it. So we have six questions later on from the RNA's beginner's rules quiz. They've been taken at random. Um, we'll see how you get on. There's a mix. There's a mix of stuff in here. And I have legit like not done anything. You, you've not seen them, although you might, anything. although you might be trying to read them as we spell. I've put this just under the. I've chair. not done anything. I've not done anything. Um, I play golf at the weekend as well, though. Uh, I, I see you got a mat out. Have, have all Woodley gone to fairway mats? Where did you see that? You posted a picture somewhere. Oh, I did, yeah, on Instagram. You, on the ground. Well, it's sort of. I guess the whole thing was. Uh, the inspiration for this podcast where we're going to talk about uh, winter comms. to see you uh, you're sort of buoyed by your Texas scramble aren't you it is I mean, confidence is such a fragile thing in golf isn't it because like oh I'm, I'm not trying to do down your refound confidence or anything but you can obviously hide in Texas scramble yeah. you finish second it's a team game yeah absolutely you've hit some good shots this comes off the back of a 38 pointer the week before so I mean I, I do I am like running into some form and and it is because I love winter golf because it's short and we've got, as we're going to talk about, a lot of different formats. Yeah. I get bored with metal and stable for every week. And um, I, think, but I think that is like, isn't it just an interesting piece of psychology, isn't it? Because by June, we'll all be sort of 
annoyed that we can't hold a middle school together again. Downtrodden and worn. It just shows you the, the sort of the thing you take out of the game is the fun bit, isn't it? And like if you can find a way of getting some competition into it, but still having some fun, then that's jackpot, really. Yeah. Uh, and that's what these winter formats are all about. Um, but to answer your question, yes, mats. So it's interesting, like the way we do it is that on certain holes where there are like areas that get very worn, um, we have markers that indicate the start of a mat zone and the end of a mat zone. Uh, and the easiest hole to talk about is probably the first. So the first is, um, off the tees we played it, probably about 380. Um, so from 200 yards to 80 yards, um, there's a mat zone basically. So you have 150, 180 yards of mat zone. And if your ball finishes in that area, in the fairway, they've just got these kind of like little plastic mats liberally strewn around. You grab one and hit it from it. I've seen that at um, Knots. At Hollingwell, yeah. Yeah, I've seen it there as well. They do it from like 150, don't they? There's just, a, a, their, their mats, are, or they were, I don't know if they still are, I assume they are. They're like fixed into the turf, which is another good way of doing it actually, because it gives you. Some people don't. I mean, I love I love hitting the ball off a mat. I just hit, I, get, I get so much better contact. Um, but some people don't like it all the way through, don't they? What it's do like that? a happy medium, isn't what, it? You what do you do about the fact it sort of protrudes up like half an inch? Does that not do? It doesn't seem to bother me at all. Do I you hover the club. No, I get such a clean contact. Right. But I've always hit the ball better off mats. If I go to a, like one of the things that really bothers me about my game is. I'll warm up diligently beforehand. I'll absolutely stripe it off the mat. So every goal forever. Exactly, and then I go straight out onto the course, and the first shot, it's a fat. And it's mm. like, how, how can I fat this? I've just been cleaning. I did read something somewhere that there is something to this that actually you you've got to be a bit careful with playing off mats all the time because you will get well, yeah, sort of un, unreal contact. Maybe it's the bounce of the yeah, surface. Or, because there's no giving in mat, so yeah. there's no you can't hit fat, can you? No. If you do it with fat, it's really going to hurt. Um, but anyway, that's what they do. Um, it's not in loads of places. I think probably four or five places around the golf course. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good, great idea. Um, sometimes uh, it's a bit frustrating, like when you've got, I don't know, a long iron or fairway wood in your hand, and because the hole's playing into the wind, it seems a bit daft because you're obviously not going to take a big divot. Um, but but yeah, we've got mats and um, all, all power to them for trying to um, improve the condition of the course. How's it gone down? Uh, well, it, we've never done it before 2019. The reason we did it in 2019 is because we had the Brabazon that year, uh, which is relatively early for a sort of um, big amateur tournament. I think it's in May, late May. Um, and Old Woodley's kind of pretty bad early season, or it's at its worst early season because we're quite high up. So we don't get much, much growth in March, April, um, and uh, they wanted the course to be as good as possible. So for the first time that year, they introduced this concept of uh, mats in particular areas. People didn't like it. Um, I said at the time, I think if we're gonna do it for the Brabazon, we should do it every year. Like if you're accepting that it would improve the quality of the course, then why would you not do it? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think over the last three or four winters, it's become much more of an accepted thing. Um, we've got some pretty, we've got some roped off areas around greens as well, which I think really helps. Um, but the course, the course generally, or Woodley in the winter is set up much, much more as I think they should set up a golf course up all year round. Like we mow the grass. There's no the 
the sort of long grass in the areas of forced carries is significantly um, reduced. Um, they seem there's, they manage they start their heather maintenance. So areas of previously sort of very thick heather is down to that nice kind of short where you always find your ball heather. Um, and the whole thing is just, yeah, it, I just think it's presented in a way that I would like to see it cl presented closer to that all year round. Um, but it's a brilliant day. I don't know what sort of weather you had. We had absolutely amazing weather. It was like uh, proper blue skies, no wind sort of thing you dream of, really. Yeah, Sunday it was great. Uh, the, the, only, the only thing for us is we finished in the dark, pretty much. Because right. it was, we, we teed off just after, um, after 12 and... A Texas scramble is not the quickest of formats, is it? You know, it does it does take a while to do. So part, I think, one of the reasons we basically bogeyed eighteen was because we couldn't see where we were at. It. Um, although there's something romantic about that as well. I quite, there is quite, yeah. quite like all that. So we've so we um, we've got these new uh, winter tees which we talked about before, which are black and they're right at the front of the yellow boxes. Um, they're about five nine uh, in total. Um, which is quite a chunky reduction from the yellow tees from the plates, which I think mm. is maybe six four, um, and it's brilliant. Like as in, it genuinely makes the course play easier. It's obviously a quicker round. Um, we have a big group of people called the Saturday afternoon golfers who tee off around lunchtime, who I'm trying to integrate myself with. Um, <laughs> what is it about like traditional golf clubs where? All the various groups have to have weird names. The well, Saturday been... afternoon golfers. Well, yeah, you are playing on a Saturday afternoon. Do you really need... Have you, have you got polo shirts with the logos on? I'm sorry, just to be clear, I am not in this group. It's actually sort of a point of, point of contention in my own little brain about it. So we've only got two. We've got uh, the Saturday afternoon golfers, or the SAGs, as they're referred to. And it's so... not a complimentary nickname, really, is it? No, they would typically play at sort of one o'clock in the summer. Um, and they are arch rivals uh, in the loosest possible sense <laughs> of the boom, um, which is the breakfast order of merit, and they play at uh, sort of daybreak on a Saturday morning. Um, and they, yeah, they sort of it's funny because we're only a small club, we've only got two hundred fifty members. Most of the golf on a Saturday is played at one of those times, um, and they have a ma an annual match um, where they play. Um, four ball I think against each other it's quite a raucous affair anyway I've been trying to integrate myself with the SAGs because it uh, works with my Saturdays of kids football and all the rest of it uh, with like, no success whatsoever I might add, I can't even get in the WhatsApp group so what I'm doing in a sort of David Brent-esque fashion is sort of turning up with my playing partner for the week right in the middle of the SAGs which I think is probably causing more irritation than integration um, but it is at least meaning I'm getting to chat to the clubhouse, which sort of went okay this week. Um, the so, um, uh, hang on, I'm not letting you get off with this. I'm not letting you get off with this. I mean, isn't golf supposed to be friendly and welcoming for all? And you're basically having to try. I mean, how many turtles are you trying to jump to get into their WhatsApp group? It's it, I think it says more about me than it does about the sacks, <laughs> my inconsistent appearances, and. Oh, un you've got to be a regular, right? Unwillingness, unwillingness to fall in with the regular crowd, exactly. Well, I um, don't suppose your, um, I suppose your youthful approach to golf clothing. Well, I think that is part of the problem. Yeah, I think if we're being honest. Um, 
So we, the, there was a winter comp on Saturday, um, and I've spoken. I spoke to John Green, who's the pro at uh, Alwoodley. He's been there for how many years? Do you think John Green has worked for Alwoodley for? Crikey! Um, well, he's an institution there, isn't he? Um, and I can remember I was small when he was there. So I'm going to say thirty-four years. That's exactly right. That's really annoying. You're joking. How do you know that? Just a just a guess. Right. I was eleven when John Green joined Old Woodley. I am not a young person anymore. That's that is that is I mean like that is a stint of service, isn't it? Yeah, it's massive. Yeah, and he is an absolutely amazing um, club pro, um, and sort of probably one of the last few of that sort of that type of role. Yeah. Um, I think Gary Brown at Ganton might have been there for. 40 years, Dan and I were talking about this yesterday. I don't know, I think he's a bit later. Um, but he won't, but there's not, there won't be too much between them. No. I, but, but I suppose like, I mean, I know we want to get onto formats, but I suppose it's one of those clubs where like, once you get, once you get there, you just think, right, I've achieved. I mean, like, where, where, where do you go that's better than Ganton and Old Woodley? Yeah, I mean, I think it's had three pros in its history. So it's once you're in, you're in. I think Ganton have had like four or five, yeah. and when you and when you think like the first one was Harry Varden, yeah. and then another one is Ted Ray, and yeah. there's basically if you go into the clubhouse at Ganton, I'm sure this is still the case. They're like all pictured on the wall in the in the locker room, and there's there's like five of them in 125 years. It must be an amazing thing because it must like. Uh, feel like you are part of a lineage I guess for, yeah. for those pros um, and John is yeah unbelievable um, club pro like just just exactly all of the things that you'd need like top bloke played lots of golf with him um, lives just around the corner from me just well thought of by every single member and all of the sort of York, Yorkshire golf community I think mm. um, which is a massive thing in it to sort of be involved in yeah. one place one area for 34 years and I've never met anyone really have a, a bad word to say about him so anyway he's on holiday in Whitby at the moment two weeks and he gave up a few minutes of his time to chat to me earlier in the week about um, some winter competitions that he runs because he does really make a big effort to uh, come up with some fun formats through the summer, uh, through the winter rather, to keep everyone playing um, and give us something different to do. And one of these was on on Saturday, um, where we we all played match play against a a pro. So the way this works is that uh, they've they've written out the pros have written out um, cards for uh, tour pros. So there's a Tiger Woods card, there's a Jack Nicklaus card. There's quite a lot of live actually. There's a Bryson card, there's a Phil card, there's a DJ card, uh, and these are all all these cards are face down on the counter when you go into the pro shop. Uh, and so you pick one at random, and I picked Bryson DeChambeau as the person I was playing match play against. Uh, and you can see the scores that he's had. Um, to try and make it fair, all of the pros have shot 74, right? They've all done horrendously, haven't they? Yeah, they've all shot 74, which is off these black tees for Bryson's probably. I think he might have done a bit better than that in reality. Um, anyway, so I'm playing match play against Bryson. Uh, I have to give him two shots, which is quite irritating. Um, and the other people in my group, one's playing against Phil Mickelson, one's playing against Tiger, I think. Uh, and it's pretty good because it's match play. So if you can't beat the score, then you can pick your ball up. We can give 
give puts on behalf of the pro. So if it is a tapping, you can give it. So it speeds the game up. It's something different to think about. So this, the way they do the scores is pretty funny. So there'll be holes that you just can't win because there's like a two on a par four, or there'll be holes that you're definitely going to win because there's like a double. Um, and then they, there are some holes that are kind of swing holes where you know you absolutely have to win that hole in order for the match to be, because um, you can see what scores are coming up. I like that term, swing hole. Well, it was it's a like, like, like an election. It was, yeah. So it was a pretty interesting thing. So I got out in level par. I had to give him a shot at the par three seventh, but he'd made a bogey. So my three for four meant that um, we halved. I had to give him another shot at the um, par three eleventh, where he'd made a two. So I, had to, I would have had to get a hole in one to half. So I'm one down on the twelfth tee, which is short four. Uh, and he's made five, so I've got to win this hole to get back to all square. And then he finishes six, two, seven. So I know the score in the last three holes is I'm going to be one up, basically. So I've kind of made all these calculations in my head. And then obviously, snap up it in the trees and made a double bogey on 12. And it's effectively game over. But it was, it was, uh, it was an interesting thing to do and a totally different thing to do. What percentage of the field do you think beat their pro 74 mm. Mm. not many I wouldn't have thought yeah, I mean obviously they were playing net as well were they so they had shots and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to say 20% that's exactly right what are you doing why, why are you getting all these things right because I understand club golfers and I understand handicaps well, somebody in my group said it would be about 6%. I said 20%, which was about the, about the number. 74 is quite soft, isn't it? Yeah, well, well, for you, yeah. I mean, 74 gives you an opportunity. I think, um, you know, for a, if I was playing there off what I was playing last year, off eight, 74 is tight. I'd have to play quite well. Um, and a 6,000-yard course is, is certainly within my range to do that. But Old Woodley, even, even that short, it's a... It's a tricky mistress, you know. There's some difficult holes on there. Yeah, but it was so. it was short. There was no wind. It was it's all soft. Anyway, it was it was it was a good idea. And, yeah, interesting. Uh, sort of well supported um, by people. Because uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm fully aware of sort of beat the pro competitions, and I really like them in winter. I I I often used to do that. Um, so when I was at uh, my former club, Sandburn, we used to do that, and I often tried to go out against one Emma Brown. Okay. On occasion, who was Emma Duggleby, who was basically the greatest female amateur golfer of her generation. Still is. And is absolutely smashing the senior section. Yeah. Did she not win the Yorkshire Ladies Amateur and the Yorkshire Ladies Senior Amateur this year? Yeah, and then she won England Women's Senior Champion. And she, I think she was, she did really well at, at the European Seniors as well. And she's the assistant second captain. She's like one of the best players I've ever seen hits it like a metronome right. just long straight got you so we used to play on open Sunday when I was a kid there was a um, Seve challenge which I think was sponsored by someone or other and you had to beat Seve's Sunday score at the open that's always quite a good one I love a beat the pro yeah not because you beat the pro they invariably come out on top because they are the pros but it just it, it's really it's really exciting it sort of gets you up yeah, yeah. doesn't it you think right yeah so John's got loads of these, which he's, I don't know how he dreams these things up. Are we so going to review them, are we, and critique yeah, yeah. them? So he's got another one, uh, which is similar, where you are the partner of a pro. 
So they write out scores for a pro, so it's a pro-am basically, uh, and you're, you're playing in a better ball with a fictional pro, and obviously the people with the most overall points at the end wins. So you have a sort of strategy, I guess, to try and beat their score on a particular hole, so you're improving the team's better ball score. Yeah, like a blind partner. Like a blind partner. Well, um, not really, because you can see their score. No, but it's good. Yeah, but in a blind, you usually know you're getting 36, don't you? In a blind mm-hmm. stable, it's usually two points a hole, isn't it? So Got it's, it's a sort of similar principle, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good. Because you can sort of go all out for it. If you know you've got... St- I mean, it promotes aggressive golf, doesn't it? Because if you know you've got two points in the bag or whatever already, right, I'm going to have to... Yeah, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. He's got this other one, which is um, basically like golf rugby, which I think is um, a pretty cool idea. The sort of thing that would work well if there's a Rugby World Cup on or Six Nations or whatever else. So you choose four holes before you go out. Uh, And if on those four holes you get three points or better, you've scored a try. Oh, so you get five points. So you get five points, yeah. Oh, right. Plus your three or better, so you get eight in total. Right? And then on the next hole, you are trying to get a conversion, so the same thing applies. So if you get three or better, you get the three points plus the two points, so you get five points. You're going to need um, someone who's got a decent regard for maths to sort that out <laughs> at the end. I mean, it's, it's an interesting comp because... You, that's one of those competitions where you would just come in afterwards and you'd have no clue would you who's winning oh yeah but some of these get worse but I think that one's pretty good I mean and how would you go about trying to assess a likely winning score so that is applicable on eight holes which leaves you ten holes so you'd be saying two points a hole for ten holes is mm. twenty points but then you've got thirteen points available on four holes so you've got fifty two points possible on those four holes so if everything goes well, you might get as many as 72 points. Let me give you one in that similar vein then and see how you think of this one. So, so one of my favourite formats back at Sandburn Towers was 2-3-4. So two scores to count for the first six, three oh, yeah. scores for the next six, four scores for the last six, and you never, ever knew what was going to win. Yeah. And at Sandburn, it finishes like really difficultly with a par three, with a forced carry over water and a massive tree in the way. Yeah. And you knew all four scores had to count on that last hole. Yeah, but that, um, that to me is failing two tests. Oh. Well, it's four ball for a start, so forget it. <laughs> it's just too many people. <laughs> You'd only get about 10 teams on Woodley, wouldn't you? You can play four ball as long as two of the people are fictional. That's how I, oh, okay. my rule would be. Uh, and yeah, it just takes too long. If all four scores count on the last four holes, we're out there hours. We've only got three hours daylight. That is true. Maybe it's more of a good summer comp. But I've had, I've had plenty of fun in, a, in an old 2-3-4. Yeah. So, that's, so that is the golf rugby one. Uh, and then what else has he got? So he's got... You have to choose uh, another one because it does quite a lot of like pre-work to some of these. Um, I mean, are these getting more complicated as they go along? Yeah. You know, so, by the end, it's just people are just putting scores on the cards and handing them over and going, "You work it out." Well, I think this is sort of part of it. It's all supposed to be quite silly, isn't it? So he's got one called yards equal points, which I think he, he is a, a big favourite of his. Um, so if you get a birdie or better. On a particular hole, you score the yardage of that hole. If you get a par, you get 100 points, bogey or worse, you get nothing. 
So I, I, I understand why you would like that, because you're a good player. So par five is a birdie opportunity for you. It's net. I know, but there's not many of us. Even with net, there's not many of us. I, think, I don't know, par five, yeah, par five. So he yeah, reckon, I'll give you it. John reckons that most of these massively favour handicap golfers. So I think that's pretty good. So you really do need to calculate it for that, right? 12,347 <laughs> points winning score. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you obviously, you might end up in a scenario where people have got the same amount of birdies, but people have birdied the slightly longer par five. Like how, yeah, I was going to say, how on earth do you count back this if you've got a tie? <laughs> I, I mean, I suppose the, ch the, the chances of a tie are sort of like pi. Well, I, I it'll think just go, it'll just go in numbers to infinity. Won't so it? John, John runs a uh, like a league table for this stuff over the winter, and I think the calculation for that league table is probably more secretive than um, the PCC calculation in golf. I think it's very much a black box. <laughs> just calculation. call it a black box calculation. Yeah. No one knows how it comes together. It just happens. Yeah. Um, I, I, but I also think with some of these formats, right, half the half the fun of these are what happens in the bar afterwards, right? So, well, yeah, you, so yeah. you play you play that competition and you do your golf, and then you've got to spend like three quarters of an hour working out what on earth you've scored, and then someone on their third Guinness in half an hour is bound to challenge it and go, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like question the measurement of the hole in yards <laughs> equal points, absolutely. Uh, I like this one. This one's called Choose Six. Um, so you you basically only scoring on six holes. You have to decide after you've played a hole whether that's going to be one of your counting holes. That is good. Yeah. That is good because there's a bit of jeopardy about that as well, isn't there? You know, if you score a four, like a par on an easy par four, for example, you're almost gambling, aren't you, that you're going to do better than that or score some more scores like that yeah, so what on the you, way around. What do you do? Do you bank do yeah. you bank a couple of twos? He reckons that normally 18, 19 points wins it. So you are really hanging out for threes, but equally you don't want to embarrass yourself and end up having to record some ones because you've failed to bank any twos. Yeah, I mean, how does that, if you played in a competition like that in practice, yeah, played in that. so what I want to ask about that is, your course and my course, York are quite similar and then they're pretty tough finishes. Um, so does everyone try and bank their points before yeah, they get are, to about the 16? about shots. Yeah, I know, but even with a shot, like 16 at all Woodleys and 17 and 18. This time of year, the, the tees are basically at the 150 marker, Steve. <laughs> I'd still find a way to double each of them. So anyway, I thought they were pretty good. Well, then we have like, we've got Greenkeeper's Revenge coming up soon, which presumably loads of people do, where the flags I've, go in daft places. I've never played in it. Um, which is a real shame because I really like the idea of it. Um, I just find it utter pain in the arse. And I, and some some greenkeepers get really into this, don't they? And they put like obstacle courses. So you'll you'll like get onto the green. There'll be wrecks in the way, won't there? And it'll be like adventure golf trying to get round. Or you'll get. I mean, on our seventh hole, um, which just to explain for listeners is is like a 155 yard par three over a pond, but the green slopes massively. Back to front. I mm -hmm. mean, it's. I mean, you've played it. It's like it's in summer. You 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 yeah. come off the top. You can put it in the water back on the bottom. Greenkeeper's revenge would be absolutely evil on that hole because you could just put it in a place where no one could put it in. Yeah, right at the back or right at the front, presumably. Um, but that is another one. Um, there's a couple of those pl I've played in that we don't do. Only things like a flag comp is pretty good. Yeah. Where you just keep playing until you run out of shots. 
Um, I quite like that. I'd be finished by four. And we do this we do this really cool thing. I really think it's really cool, oddly. So we have a winter foursomes, which obviously runs all winter, which we talked about before. Um, and we, but they do this thing called the winter winds, um, which I really like. I think it's pretty nice. So you, you basically, before you, before you go out and play any time of the week, you say, oh, I'm going to do a winter winds card today. You pay 50p, which goes into the pot. Um, and then the best three scores that you get uh, are your counting scores and the top 16 in the winter wins qualify for a match play it takes place through the summer you can enter as many times as you like so this is like top dog at Cleveland that it, we that yeah. we talked about I know we've talked about this but very briefly for those who didn't catch that pod that's um, a four ball better ball comp each week each Sunday during we, the winter and the QI then, alarm it's four golfers it should be out and then top 16 qualify for a match play. Yeah. I, I like that because I, I, I like the idea of a cumulative event, something to play for each week. Because anyone can have a bad week, can't they? Um, but this idea that you can have 16, whatever, or 12 weeks of competition and then go person-to-person -person combat. Yeah, winter, win, winter wins is good because you can enter as many times as you want. So you can rock up on a random Tuesday or Wednesday, pay you 50p and you're having a sort of vaguely competitive round. Is it, so it's not, um, so it's just the score that you have on the, on the day? Yeah, yeah, and so if I go and play this afternoon and score 38 points and my previous best in the winter wins was 32, then my 38 is one of my counting scores. I'd, I'd like to see more eclectics in winter at York. They have a, the seniors have an eclectic, yeah. and that that is a lot of fun. That's a good um, idea. Because I, I played with a guy. He won it actually, Trevor. I'm not. I'm sure he. I'm sure he loved me talking about this. He won the seniors summer eclectic, and I was playing around with him. He put in a rolling stable third because in his last six holes, he had a certain number of shots to take off, and he'd been, God bless you, Trevor. But you had you'd been you'd been awful all day, and then about on the on the eleventh hole, he just said to me got to get my stuff together now and it was like he flicked a switch and he was absolutely dynamite he went par 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 birdie par and if he parred the last he would have done the clean sweep <laughs> of, of all the shots that he needed to take off for his eclectic and I was watching him just go on this absolute spree and thinking isn't this fantastic this is this is like what it's yeah. all about isn't it so I mean it is good isn't it and like the, this thing on Saturday, like I say, sort of a bit of an inspiration for what we talked about today, and um, it's good. Like this, reasons to keep playing through winter, trying to make it a bit of fun. Yeah. It's all brilliant. Uh, I was having a good time um, at Aldley until I started chatting to someone about some trees. So we we've taken we've ta we've <laughs> maybe I'll put a sound effect in. That will say that because I know where this is going. I'm going to let you say it, and then I'm going well, to light the touch paper. So, tree removal's on vogue, right? It is. Golf clubs got VAT refunds four years ago, and 99% of them spent that money on chopping trees down. Yeah, because they, you know, they took some expert advice, and that expert advice yeah. flew in the face of half a century of what committees were doing, where they basically went, you know, all those trees you've planted there, some of them might not be good for this clause. So, trees are a they're, they're pretty sensitive topic for they are. people. And then... Um, but I think it, uh, particularly at older clubs and private members clubs, it has really has been sort of on vogue for them to be removed in their thousands over the last few years. Or Woodley, like everything it does, has been sort of reasonably understated about this kind of thing. And we've been, 
we have taken some trees out, but we've done it all with permission and we've done it very gently, gently. And we've been using a guy called Clyde Johnson, who is very respectful of the, the club. Um, but the areas where they've done it has improved the club, the course condition and the sort of the playability of the holes um, immeasurably and restored some angles. And there's, there's countless examples of places that have done this in quite an extreme way, like Woodall have had this amazing dope renovation where they've discovered bunkers that they thought they'd lost, they've found fair, gigantic portions of fairways that have been swallowed up by trees. Yeah, Moortown's another one that springs immediately to mind. Clyde's been at Moortown as well, I mean there's, there's endless examples. Um, and I think once you get past the sort of initial scarring and the kind of jarring of where's the trees gone, that all of these places have improved. And the courses that we're talking about are heathlands, right? And um, we're trying to get um, heather to take and we're trying to get finer grasses to take. Uh, and we know all of the agronomic reasons for tree removal. Anyway, so on our 12th hole, which is short par four, um, it's stroke two, but that's because our uh, stroke indexes are weird. But it's definitely one of the softer holes at Old Woodley. Um, it's a drive and a flick or a long iron and a, a mid iron, um, big green, big fairway. It's a bit of light relief before the course really kicks in from the 13th onwards. Um, the left hand side of the hole is the boundary of the golf course. Uh, we're at McKenzie and McKenzie's design principles are the boundaries of hazard. Uh, we now have a, a, a sort of stand of trees that runs all down the left hand side of that hole, which is probably three or four big trees deep and up by the green at about 80 yards, they've kind of encroached onto the hole by another three or four trees, they're probably eight trees deep, and they've kind of formed this sort of ring around the back of the fairway bunker. So with Clyde's, on Clyde's advice, who is a doke shaper, very well-respected course architect, very, very uh, knowledgeable in the restoration of particularly McKenzie's or um, Golden Age architect golf courses, we've removed I would say, if I was guessing, maybe 15 or 16 trees from the kind of, it's not a corner, but it feels like a corner uh, of the hole around this bunker, which has sort of opened up the left-hand side of the fairway. The left-hand side of the fairway is um, notoriously boggy in winter, uh, and it will allow the, um, some air to get to it, hopefully improve the condition of the fairway on that side. And at the same time, we've restored a back left uh, the back left of the green and a bunker that would become a sort of grassy uh, dip is now being restored. So what we'll end up with is a back left pin position behind the left bunker. Um, so I think this is amazing. So in order for that back left pin position and to be relevant, they've had to restore the width to the hole in order to be able to provide different angles from different sides depending on where the flag is will be where you try and hit the ball. Um, so I played the golf course, was kind of hallelujahing at these, this tree removal. I was playing with the ex sort of uh, greens chair who I'm always in his ear about, we must do more, must do more, must do more. Anyway, got into the clubhouse and one particular member was grumbling that this was the wrong thing to be doing. And I do have some sympathy with um, people who uh, are kind of not so into tree removal because if you chop a tree down, right, it's a long time for it to grow back. So you wanna be sure you're doing the right thing. But his particular argument, which is a sort of well-trodden one, is it's now made the hole too easy. Um, and this is kind of like real red flag stuff for me because... Well, um, well you know, perhaps it was supposed to be yeah. because it then prelude, preludes one of the toughest six holes you'll find in championship golf. I mean, this is what this is... I, I understand why people get emotional about trees, right? I understand it, you know, they're pretty to look at, a lot of them, 
there's a sense of being at one with nature. But they, and if they if they'd been planted in the past with any sort of idea, any sort of strategy, I'd be less keen to take them out. But they were. It was just random committee members from days gone by said, "We'll put some trees in there." Mm-hmm. Or they then planted a few trees and didn't look after them, and a few trees became many trees because yeah. you know trees self-spawn, don't they? The problem with that is the architect who designed the course didn't design the course with those trees in mind. So if they're not planted sensibly and sensitively, they ruin the design of the golf course. They don't make it better, they make it worse. And anyone who's been to Motown, anyone who's been to Woodall Spa in the last couple of years, they're doing a lot of work, not, not so much, yeah, with trees as well, with trees as well as gorse, doing a lot of work at Ganton at the moment as well, they do the same thing. Yeah. I will defy any player, any golfer who doesn't go to those three courses and says it isn't better for those trees being removed. I understand the environmental argument, you know, trees, lungs of the world, all that sort of stuff, but we can, you can plant them elsewhere. Yeah, you can yeah. replant them and you can plant them in better spots. You talk about the boggy area on the 12th, it will not be boggy anymore no. because it's the trees that made it boggy. Yeah, and I think the Addington actually is another one where they've had um, Mike Clayton in and they've just taken out thousands of trees and it's, it's just restored a classic golf course to exactly how it should be. There wasn't even anywhere to hit the ball at yeah. the Addington on yeah. some of those holes because the yeah. trees had encroached so far. So I think the sort of the principle of a lot of these golden age architects and certainly what a lot of the, um, the modern day architect firms who are trying to restore golf courses like Old Woodley to how they were previously is that the idea is that the course is playable for the weaker player and remains a challenge for the, the better player. Yeah. And that means often means firm, fast running courses um, and it means you, the better player is losing control of their ball all the time. And trees don't help that because they create mulch, they create meadow grass, they create softer areas. Um, and if you lose the angles that the width of these fairways gives you in terms of big p- uh, variable pin positions on massive greens, then they sort of put the principles of the hole are lost. And it is a shame you have to chop trees down because trees are nice, trees are good for they the are. environment, animals yeah. like trees, they're nice to look at, but they're not helpful on golf courses often. Well, there's the archetypal story, isn't there, of the tree that's over a green and the green's the worst green on the golf course because it doesn't get any light, 100%. it's always wet, it's always diseased in, in, in this time of year because, because it's got 20,000 leaves falling on it, just cut well, it down. At Moortown they took out that massive great big oak tree in front of the par 5, the um, the seventh, uh, which must have been a very painful thing to do, it's yeah. a beautiful tree but it's yeah. hugely improved the the golf course and, and roots can be roots tom can become a problem after a while as well because yeah. they spread yeah. and if you've got particularly big trees you know they don't they don't sit there and stay into the rough they get out onto the fairway yeah anyway so it was a bit of a problem for me so i've done all this good work trying to ingratiate myself with the members of old woodley and then someone said that they thought that taking the trees out had made the golf course too easy and i said what do you play off and he said 12 and i said it's not that easy then is it and that was the end of that I think that you always get that argument though, and I understand why, I understand it, you know, especially if you've known nothing else, you know, if you've joined a golf course for that reason. This happened, I think, at Fulford, where they, where they went out onto the far side of the course, they took out an awful lot of trees there, and they made kind of eight, nine, 10, 11 look, look very, very different and open. And for those members who'd been there for decades and it was like they were playing a different golf course. I understand yeah, yeah. why some of them got upset. Yeah. But the but, but the best bit of Fulford is the Heathland holes, isn't it? Where it opens out. Exactly. Um, anyway, so that was just my little thought we'd better just dwell on that. 
we're going to have a we're going to have a rant of the week <laughs> in our podcast. Is that what we're going to do? Um, Here's Tom's rant of the week. So there you go. I've just uh, tried to profess um, some knowledge about trees, and now I'm going to embarrass myself in this rules quiz. Well, we're we're together on trees, aren't we? So maybe we're going to try and find some topics in the future where we'll disagree. It might make good radio. Yeah. Everyone. Anyway, so we did the rules of golf last week. 2023 rules coming in, lots of changes. And this provoked a, a discussion on Twitter between me, Tom, and Jack Backhouse, um, who's a, another very, very good golfer who is on our equipment team. And Jack ingeniously suggested that Tom should do a rules quiz because I was basically saying that, um, that anyone who plays golf in a competition should be made to basically learn minimum standards. Now, I think the, the wider aim here is to get Tom to take the level one. And I have sent him the study pack. I'm not sure he's actually opened the email yet. Um, but I have sent him the study pack and we'll get him doing it in, in full cost. But we just want to see how good or how bad Tom actually is at the rules at the moment. So we've selected six questions from the RNA's beginner rules quiz. So this isn't, this isn't intermediate, it isn't advanced, it's not level two, level three. Might just be about level one, but we got six questions here, and they're from the whole gamut of golf. It's not any, you know, there's not um, that there's not anything um, stupid about this. I say six, it might be five. <laughs> um, but shall we get cracking and get on with it, and let's see how you get on? Yeah, I'm quite nervous. How are we going to do it? You know, it has to be one I'm question. Ask you a question, and, and then either tell me if it's right or wrong. We'll keep I'm score gonna, as we go along. I'm going to tell you if it's right or wrong. Most of these are true or false. Right, go on then. So, question one. Mm -hmm. A player may decline a concession by their opponent. True or false? False. Is correct. One out of one. You cannot decline a concession. Question two. I'm going to take you to match play again there. A player's ball lies in a penalty area. The player takes a practice swing and grounds their club in the penalty area. What is the ruling? Do they get a penalty stroke? Is it no penalty or do they lose the hole? No penalty. Oh, is it match play? Is it, no, is it match play? It is match play. Yeah, no penalty. That is absolutely correct. There is no penalty in the new rules for grounding your club in a penalty area. You're allowed to do it. Shall we take it to stroke play now mm -hmm. for question number three? A player is responsible for ensuring the total number of strokes for their round is correct on the scorecard. True or false? False. Ding, ding. Shall I get a little thing here? You're three out of three. You're doing well. But it's only entry level. I've been it, is, it, is, it is beginner level. I've been playing for 30 years, more than 30 years. True or false? A player may stand out of bounds to play a ball in bounds. They may do. They may stand yes. out of bounds true. to play a ball in, in bounds. It is true. Are you going to get a full house here? I hope so. You get five out of five. don't want to get overconfident. You get five out of five. Let's see. Um, My friend Google hasn't helped me yet. Final question. Oh, this is the last one. This is the last one. I, I, well, I, I did have six down, and then I've realised I only wrote half the question for one, for one of them. So we're going to have to we're going to have to make it five. Preparation, people. Preparation. The final question for Tom to get five out of five. A player is allowed to have free relief when their ball is embedded in the rough. True or false? False. It's true. What? No, it's not. It's true. Oh, I, I, oh, this has happened to me. So let me just explain to you. So I played in 
whatever the scratch thing's called at West Lancs early season, it's called the Crosby Bowl or something. And my ball plugged in the fringe of the 17th greens in April, yeah. right? And I said, I think I get free relief from that because it's plugged in its own thing. And they said, no, you don't because it's not on fairway. And I said, well, okay, I'll play two balls. And then we, so we did that. And I think I made the same score with both balls, so it didn't matter. Went in, checked with the pro, and he said, no, you're right, you don't get relief. Yes, you do. Ah, oh, so annoying. I was right, and then I'm wrong, and now I'm wrong. Rule 16.3 allows relief for a ball embedded anywhere in the general area. That is the area previously known as through the green, except when embedded in sand. The rough is part of the general area. Well, that is what I would have thought. So, can I have that? Even though I was wrong. No, you only get four out of five. 80% though. That is shocking. I don't know the exact situation of your, your thing at West Lancs. Perhaps there was a local ruling that basically said it's limited yeah, to, yeah, right. it limited to you know, closely mown or areas of the fairway. There could be a local ruling there. But the general principle is 16.3 allows relief for a ball embedded anywhere in the general area. Mm. Anywhere. That is what I would have thought prior to this instance. That is annoying for me. You nearly did it. I know. Right, we'll do intermediate next week. And I'll have, more, I'll have the courage of my convictions more. Are you going to do some study though? I mean, it starts to get a bit hardcore. No, I'm not. It's not, it's not stupid. We just do it blind. Otherwise, it's just a trick, isn't it? I'm trying to get you to better yourself though. Well, I'll study afterwards if I think I need to. Um, right, thanks for that. Uh, can I just direct listeners to the Slam podcast? Brilliant interview, Ryan Fox, where he's got some very good Tiger Woods anecdotes. Uh, very much worth a listen. We'll be back next week when we're going to talk about well, more rules, certainly. Who knows what else? Who knows what else? We'll find something. Thank you, Steve. Cheers, Tom.